Hi, I'm David Bazuki, founder and CEO at Roblox. You're listening to Tech Talks, a podcast about the people and ideas that are shaping the future of immersive connection and communication. In this series, we'll be exploring some of the most innovative technologies that have emerged in this new category and sharing stories with the Robloxians that are building them. Today, I'm joined by Zen Fang, head of international at Roblox. We'll be talking about Roblox's international strategy and the technical challenges we're solving to ensure a localized experience for tens of millions of people around the globe. Zen, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to be with you today. Thank you, Dave. I'm super excited to be here today as well. Yeah, well, it's it's been amazing working with you as you've mm-hmm. come on board. Could you share a bit how we initially got together? You have some some great experience in international that has just really dovetailed into your position here. Yeah, thanks for that. So I we actually I don't know if you call Dave, but we actually met maybe four five years ago through a connection. And we chatted a a little bit. And over the years, I've always been really excited about Roblox and what you guys are doing here, especially on an international front. So, you know, a little bit about myself. I I've been at Roblox for a little over a year now, or a little under a year, actually. And um, I spent about 13 years at Meta prior to that working on a variety of, of things there from developer experiences, developer relations, mobile product to corporate development and M&A before moving on over to Roblox. So I, I also worked on a lot of our Facebook's early expansion efforts across the globe. So working in this role is really, it was super exciting when I first heard about it. And I was like, this, this is just the energy here and everything else about being at Roblox at this phase is sort of the most ideal situation I could have found, I think at this point. Yeah, well, I I do remember that interview well. I remember even what we talked about and international was much earlier and and much of um, more of a glimmer in our eye. For for everyone out there, I I do want to share a historical context and and I want to maybe anchor the historical context on early episodes of Star Trek, the TV series where even back then in real life, they had the visionary idea of a automatic translator where people would go to distant planets and the the translator would allow that communication. We have had somewhat of a similar vision on Roblox and there was a fairly long, several years, it it seems unbelievable, where Roblox was primarily an English-only platform. We, We had a lot of traction around the world, in Europe, all around the world. Everyone was forced to play in English. And we came up with the notion that when a creator makes an experience on Roblox, Rather than them translating it, we needed this to be automatic. And when I believe when we talked, that was was the early phase of that. We were just starting to support that type of technology. Yeah. And I think now coming here, like our, the vision at Roblox here about international is truly making Roblox international, accessible, and truly localized. And localized, I don't mean just translated for our users around the world. And localization here, I think, goes beyond translations. Translations is absolutely necessary, but it's not sufficient for a truly localized experience. What does it mean to be truly localized? 
payment options that are accessible and convenient for our users around the world, content that's culturally interesting and relevant, avatars that look like you and outfits that resonate with you. So true localization, all of this and more. So that's what I'm super excited about working here on. Yeah, I think that was right. And I think when when we initially met, we were a little bit more in the phase one, which is mm-hmm. let's just get automatic translation working. Yep. Let's get our system working. Even then, we did see a little bit of a notion. We were wondering how much cultural overlap there would be between Roblox experiences created in the United States or in South Korea or in mm-hmm. Brazil. I think we were initially somewhat surprised at the amount of cultural overlap. A a lot of experiences created in the United States did very well in South Korea. Exactly. You may be more up to date on that. So just from a big picture, are we continuing Mm -hmm. to see that or are we starting to see more localized content? I think we see a bit of both. You know, honestly, I think the world is actually in some ways a lot closer and a lot more similar than we think it is. We're definitely culturally different. So there's nuances like around language and payment preferences and et cetera, et cetera, that are very different around the world. But there are also things that are just universal. People want to have fun. People want to feel connected with one another. And that is universal. And a lot of the experiences on our platform do just that. So once we got automatic translations and the translations tool set ready for our users and our and our creators to use, a lot of our experiences became global automatically without having to do much else or of anything else. So I think there's a vast majority of content that really goes beyond borders, beyond languages. But then there's also, of course, region and country-specific nuances. Certain countries prefer certain types of experiences a little bit more. They prefer certain types of avatar items. So I think there's a lot of rounding out that we could do to make the experience feel truly localized. So when they open up our app anywhere that they feel like, wow, this was made for me. This isn't something that I'm using that's you know just translated from another language. And different cultures may have different, stronger preferences on some aspects versus others. Just to give our listeners a little magnitude of the scale we're talking about here. In those first few years of Roblox, Roblox was a very heavily US and then somewhat Canada philosophy. Do you have any any numbers on how much we've gone outside of that over the last five to 10 years? Yeah. I mean, you know, what's really great is right now, Roblox, we're available in 11 languages and we have plans to grow more later this year. So I think ability to reach users. I mean, language is so core to how everybody experiences life around the world that having it available in their native language is going to be so much more powerful and just feel so much stickier of an experience than anything that's translated in English. So I think at this point, I'm not sure if I have the exact stats here, but a vast majority of our hours and our experiences are spent internationally outside of US and Canada. And I think about 75% of our playtime now is translated into the user's local language. And so that's a great stat, but we want to make that to be 100 over the long run. That's really so mind-boggling and, and really quite exciting as well. I get a lot of excitement. We have a lot of metrics charts behind the scenes that at in real time show the number of players in any country. And it's almost like I I can go down the top 20 and then into the 30 and then into the 40. It's a little bit like a visit to the United Nations Mm -hmm. as you start 
going lower and lower through those stats and you see smaller countries like Luxembourg and then a, a country like Paraguay and then a country like Vietnam, it's it's actually quite mind-boggling. Yeah, and the amount of connection that we're able to generate across our user base and all of these different locales and experiencing it with one another, right? Across borders, because through automatic translation, they're not just quote unquote isolated to their specific set of local friends because they're able to meet and interact with others through automatic translations and through the content that we have that's truly global. It's it's really just, I think it's pretty cool to experience and to see that the content really is global because as many creators as we have around the world, we may not have that many Luxembourg-based creators, but the content that our other creators are able to generate on the platform do resonate well with our users everywhere. So maybe I'm going to walk through a little bit of a holistic checklist, and then we'll Mm -hmm. talk about launching in other countries as well, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of what you do. And so the the holistic checklist, which um, when we met five years ago, was primarily the experience would get translated. Mm -hmm. Pretty good shape there. On search and discovery, what people would find in South Korea versus the U.S. on their homepage we're, get, we're getting mm-hmm. really good there with dynamic discovery. On avatars, I feel we're right in the middle of it because we're in the transition from all avatars being supplied by Roblox to UGC avatars created by the community there. So that one, I'm actually pretty excited on the ability for our community to supply mm-hmm. culturally relevant avatars. Yeah. Do you have a personal vibe? Will we see a diversity of avatar preference in different countries around the world? I think so. I think so. I think, and we're going to be surprised. I think that's the fun part of it. I I think there's definitely, when we meet users and creators around the world, and especially at RDC, we had a chance to meet with a bunch of them from Europe, from Latin America, from, from Asia, and the excitement around UGC avatar creation is just, you can sense that folks are really excited about it. I think in areas we see that culturally, you know, anime, for example, is quite large around the world, but in particular in East Asia and Southeast Asia. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that genre or that feel um, of avatars coming out of Asia. And that will also resonate with a lot of users outside of Asia. So they're going to be like, awesome. I haven't seen this type of avatars before. Now I get to see it, right? And so I think it will go beyond borders and may have more of a nexus in certain regions, but I think a lot of this is going to be universal. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. I'm excited about a new person on the platform seeing a selection of avatar choices that are relevant to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On the clothing side, I feel we're in really good shape because all of the clothing, accessories, jewelry on Roblox will work with any avatar. So, I think so. You know, we're going to see an international fashion show with a wide variety of avatars, (laughs) which is really quite exciting. On the cross-border communication, I know we're starting to experiment not just with experience translation, but with communication translation. Mm -hmm. I believe that will lead ultimately with, quote, no ship dates given (laughs) to voice translation, which will start to round out that Star Trek vision of virtual universal translator. But there's still more, right? Because when we launch in a language, there's also a lot of behind the scenes trust and safety things we do. 
And I'm wondering if if that's the one maybe people don't think about as much. I think within my first month of being here, you know, we worked on some of this and it was amazing to me because of how much emphasis we put on this notion of trust and safety when we think about a growth opportunity of launching a new language. So about a year, a year and a half ago, we shifted here our philosophy around language launches. In the past, what we've done is we looked at, you know, where are our users? If there's a lot of users in a specific locale that we didn't support their language, we went ahead and translated that language and we launched it. But what we noticed is that while it was great from, you know, a surface level user experience perspective, Perspective, we wanted to also make sure that the safety and the civility features were also there. So now we are approaching languages as a whole package. So not only is the user experience from a user on the outside going to be translated into your language, but all the trust and safety features are going to be there from day one as well, so that the user gets the whole experience so that our filters and our moderation and civility efforts are all there in that language as well. And I think that's really quite special and it's quite a bit of investment from a company's perspective to make. But I think in the long run, by taking a long view, it's going to be worth it because we have younger users on our platform and aged up users, but we want, really want to make sure that our platform is safe and taking that approach is going to lead us down a much more sustainable path in the long run, which is really great. And this gets even more difficult as we start to look at the mix between text and voice communication in mm -hmm. a platform. We're in the middle of rolling out in a very thoughtful, civil way, voice communication for a subset of our community right now. And we're doing some of them, uh, I believe, industry leading work behind the scenes on voice mm -hmm. moderation. Ultimately, you know, we have over 5 billion hours of engagement on watching and making, you know, helps ensure that voice communication is safe and civil is an amazing technical task, but that even gets more complicated in different languages as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think language, there's so much nuance with not just text, but voice in particular, the tone, how a language is going to be perceived when it's spoken to one another. So we're taking a cautious and step-by-step -step approach, which is why we're starting to launch voice in some of the English-speaking countries first. And next year, we're going to start launching in non-English-speaking countries and taking a country-by-country -country perspective and learning as we go. Because we don't want to just see what happens and learn it after the fact. We really want to take a step-by-step approach. Well, I think, I mean, we built our first civility safety systems literally a month after we were live over 16 years ago. And I think that's really consistent mm -hmm. with that. Let's talk about maybe take a step back and dive into automatic translation. Like, how does it work? If I'm if I'm a young creator and I show up and um, make an experience on Roblox, what do I have to do? What's happening behind the scene? You don't have to do anything if you don't want to, <laughs> is the answer here. Um, I, I think that was really the core of what we wanted to build here is that a lot of our creators, especially indie creators, the core of our creator base, they don't have the resources or potentially the means to find, hire, and pay for a localization team on the languages that they want to launch in. And so while a lot of third-party translation providers provide it, they also don't understand the Roblox context. And so here, what we do is we provide the Roblox context, which has our billions of hours of play, all of the Roblox content with words and phrases that don't really exist outside of Roblox. Developers can just leave it turned on and we will automatically translate it in all these different languages. But of course, we also want to give developers and creators the option of, hey, I'm a bit bigger shop. I want to do it myself. They have the option of doing that as well for their select languages and the locales that they want to translate more manually in. So it's really amazing that it could be as turnkey as they want it to be. 
Let's just really dive in. If I have an experience maybe where it's a fast food restaurant and I have a billboard above the counter with some text saying what is for sale and I have hamburger, hot dog, and pizza, that text is recognized by the Roblox system. And so we can replace those words without the creator doing anything. Exactly. And that's what's most amazing about it is that we take all the work out of it. The creators don't have to generate the phrases or or tag the phrases that they want us to translate. We scrape and translate it automatically for them. And I think that power just enables so much more creativity on our developer side where they don't have to think about translations. They just focus on making their experience as interesting and, and as awesome as possible. Two fun things to think about. One is because we have so much data on the Roblox platform and so many people trying to make this better, I'm assuming there's some words that creators use that are much more maybe trendy words. And what I believe is probably happening, even those words have very good translations. And and then there's another thing that's happening in the AI world right now, which is a lot of talk about human reinforcement learning and the ability to hyper-tune and hyper-improve the performance of models any user can note a translation and we bring that back into our system. This is one of the coolest new features I think that we have is inexperienced translation feedback. As you mentioned, Dave, we launched this to help us continuously improve our models. So a user can say, hey, actually this word here in this context, actually there's a better word in German to translate this than what we originally thought this word could translate to. And they can give us that feedback right there. And that goes back into our model and it trains it and then it helps us better understand an automatic way that, hey, right now, this may be the official way this word may be translated in German. But guess what? On Roblox, our users are telling us this other way may be a more accurate description of how this may be translated. So we're taking all of that in and improving our overall experience. So this might be a less common word rather than hamburger. Let's say it's creme brulee or something. And I'm in a restaurant in 3D. So I'm in Roblox on my phone or my computer. I'm walking around with a friend in the restaurant. I see the menu. It says creme brulee. Mm -hmm. It's not properly translated to German. So my understanding is literally I have a magic wand where I click in three mm -hmm. on that and can make the feedback right there. Exactly, exactly. And I think users really like that too, because users understand that things on the internet, especially are done by computers is not always done by a human. And they appreciate that ability to provide that feedback. And we really appreciate the ability just to understand better on all the different contexts. And words like creme brulee or words like there could be even more complicated words for different languages to translate to. It's really hard for our model or models to get that type of information without having the user providing that feedback. Yeah, so this is really human reinforcement learning with an example of it being natively built into the experience for the 70, you know, 60 to 7 mm -hmm. million daily actives on Roblox. And mm -hmm. so our community is is contributing in a way in making that better. And then I would assume with either in a matter of seconds, hours, days, or whatever, that if someone else is serving creme brulee in Germany as mm -hmm. well their translation would get better. Yep, exactly. Can we talk about how we serve users from different countries? And, you know, I think we have 
probably millions of experiences with automatic translation turned on. Can you give a little bit of just how that's been going? We've talked about some new languages. I don't know, um, maybe some update on where we are left to right versus right to left. Yeah. You know, just this year, we've launched Indonesian and Thai so far this year. And we're looking forward to enabling Arabic fully later this year. I, I can't share an exact date, but I think that's going to be incredibly exciting for us. And that really opens the door to all right to left languages to be available on Roblox. Okay, that's super cool. One thing I, I think people might be going out there is saying, okay, I get it. If someone has designed their experience where they have explicit text and I can see the text entry in that menu, what happens if I make a stop sign where the text is embedded in the image rather than explicitly overlaid on the stop sign? We still have the ability to do that. And I think that's what makes the Roblox context and our engine a bit special is that we don't just have text. We don't just have menus that is scrapable by OCR technologies. We have meshes and 3D environments, and we need to take all that into consideration when we're building our um, automatic translations all the way to voice and chat and all that. So we really want to make sure that the 3D immersive experience for our users is fully localized, which means we, we got to think about it all, not just text overlays. Okay. And then we talked about, as we build up this amazing translation capability reinforced by feedback, starting to support that dream, really, that we've, we've talked about for many, many years. For example, a school in the United States has a partner school in Argentina, and the students can go and visit with their partner school digitally requires chat translation. Can, can you share a bit about where we are with our experiments on translating chat as well? Yeah, we've started to enable automatic chat translations in certain regions, and we're looking to expand that more broadly. Because right now, what we're doing is we want to make sure that users, when they're joining experiences, that they're able to chat with folks that they can communicate with that's going to become a better user experience. But when we have automatic translations turned on, that may not be as necessary. We actually can have intentional experiences like what you're talking about, the U.S. and Argentinian schools, chat in real time and have it be almost as natural as if you're talking in the same language to ability to just join impromptu into different experiences and also feel like you're speaking with folks across the border. And maybe this is a bit of, a, of an idealistic situation, but I really do believe that it makes the world feel smaller when we enable features like this on our scale. The ability for that inter-school exchange to occur may reduce the feeling that those people in Argentina are different than us. Exactly. That's my hope. And I'm I'm hopeful that they're like, I didn't know that you're from XYZ. I thought you're just another kid down the city for me. Hey, so there's a lot of talk about natural language translation. Can you share what's unique about Roblox's, why we're different and so focused on this? Yeah. I mean, I think I touched a little bit on this earlier, which is you know, there's a lot of amazing third-party models out there trying to solve translations. It's the thing that the tech community has looked into for the last couple of decades. But what we're doing here that's unique at Roblox is we're laser focused on what's relevant in the Roblox context. We have a whole platform of experiences and user interactions that build up to what we call the Roblox context. We have words 
that are not seen anywhere else in the real world, like the word obby. And that puts us in a unique position to build models focusing on the Roblox contest that's really high quality, that's higher quality than all these really advanced third-party external models. So that's what makes our approach slightly unique in the world. Yeah, I, I want to maybe not go too deep or get over my head on something that I think is interesting and exciting. And in the AI world, there's a lot of talk about multimodal technology and the combination of audio and text. And I, I think I would give a hint, hint that the quality of our text-based translation can actually interact in the quality of our voice based to a little bit. So hint, 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 hint. So we talked a lot about the various content types mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. that we, we want to translate. One that is interesting that you noted is 3D models. I, I've never uh -huh. talked to anyone about that at Roblox before. So translating 3D models from afar seems really interesting. And I wouldn't expect us to even consider doing that. I get the stop sign. It's a 2D image. We regenerate uh -huh. the image. I can imagine a three-dimensional stop sign where the text is embossed or sticking out. So are you actually hinting we're exploring more 3D type opportunities? Yeah, I mean, I think the long-term vision is that everything you experience in our 3D immersive platform is going to be localized fully into your native language. And so that includes our creators are, are incredibly, our developers are incredibly creative. And so whether you want to make it overlaying on this 3D globe, this text, or something that sticks out, we want to make sure all of that is going to be translated into your language. So I could imagine in the future, if I've given a watch as a gift, and if I flip mm -hmm. it over on the back, it's embossed happy mm -hmm. anniversary date. Yep. And it's like someone has carved that in. That's a 3D text. It would be fascinating mm -hmm. to have that be automatically translated into a 3D mm -hmm. object as well. Yep. Yeah, totally. That's the vision for us. We have some ways to go, but that is the future we want to enable. And and I think you just gave a great hint to to your to your family on what to get. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah, I want a Roblox watch. Come yeah. on. <laughs> okay. Now there's a whole other thing we, we should talk about mm. where if I join a Roblox experience, do I by default end up playing with people who speak English? Do I sometimes connect with people who are speaking Japanese? And this gets into a thing called matchmaking. Can you can you share a bit about what mm -hmm. is matchmaking and how does that work? Totally. Matchmaking is uh, Roblox's notion of when a user joins an experience, which server they're joining and who they're joined with. And we've taken our algorithm here, we've taken a lot of different factors, as you can imagine, to make sure signals like friends. If you have friends that are also enjoying this experience, we're going to make sure you're playing with them. Your age, demographics, server occupancy. We want to make sure your performance, the latency on the experience is really great for you or as good as we're able to get. And we want to make sure that you're not playing alone as for as much as possible. So from an international perspective, matchmaking really looks into a couple of things, which is powering latency and language for a global user base. We want to make sure you have a good experience. So you have low ping times and then also languages that you're able to communicate well with the folks that you're playing with. But I do think in the long run, language, we're going to test this in the long run as we um, roll out automatic chat translation. And as we look into enabling voice automatic translations, how much will the language weigh, you know, in that sense, right? In in the long run. I, I think in the in a Roblox type vision, I think we could imagine the creator of that experience 
contributing to how much latency versus language. So there is an aspect of that. I think what I would like is the opportunity, you know, on a Friday night at 10 o'clock to tell Roblox, I want to go hang out with some people in a bar in Japan Mm -hmm. and emerge in there with translation on and just say, hey, I'm visiting uh, what's going on here and hop around the world to some local experiences with voice translation, which would be something we can't really do in real life and would be an amazing experience. I know. And I think that's going to be so powerful. And you're going to, when you hop into that 3D immersive Japanese bar experience, you're going to see the folks that have been there all night because it's going to be Saturday morning, their time. So you're going to get a very fun experience uh, in in that Japanese bar. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that's where the borders really come down in my mind. Yeah. And I, I, w- I would highlight, and I said it at RDC as well, they would be ID validated, age validated, mm-hmm. um, in a, mm-hmm. a 17 and up experience, yep. which is consistent with our foundation of safety and civility. Yep. But we do imagine such things happening. Mm-hmm. And, and okay, so we frame this, this wonderful vision of 3D experiences, of avatars, of friends, of this working around the world, of this working on a platform of safety and civility. Now, how do I find that stuff? Or how do I just, you know, besides the translation and the matchmaking, there's an aspect of just finding the cool stuff. Can you share how International is powering that? Oh yeah, totally. This is so core to the new user experience and how users just feel and interact with our platform. So around search, I think of this in two facets, around search and discovery. So automatic translation enabled a lot of this to start, which is we have built multilingual indexes. It really models so a user's search queries and their language can be matched to a relevant set of experiences. And we extended that to semantic search to be multilingual. So that's what we're doing on search. And we're extending that around to all the different languages and around discovery too. We want to make sure that the day zero experience for our users is really powerful because really maybe the day zero experience for a 24-year-old Korean woman is not going to look exactly the same as a 17-year-old boy in Brazil, right? That 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 um that that signs up for the first day. So we take all of these factors. Can you share what day zero means um to people who are less familiar with the term? Sure. Day zero, it's sort of like when a user first signs up for Roblox, what do you see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want to make sure it's really native, as localized as possible, and that you're like, wow, these are really great experiences, whether it could be music experiences, games, fashion, whatever it may be from the signals that we have about you and your friends that may already be on the platform. I've heard in Silicon Valley, people use the term cold start. I think day zero, it feels like a lot more fun term. I'm going to start using it. Yeah, day zero. Yeah. Exactly. Cold start is another way to say it. That feels Mm -hmm. really good. So with everything we've talked about, I want to zero in on Japan as a case study as far as how something might work. Because historically for us, we have seen different countries essentially go viral at different phases mm-hmm. in time. Okay. Uh, U.S. Canada went viral early. We saw Brazil and Philippines go viral several years in in a very pleasing way. We saw South Korea go viral several years ago. One of the one of the holdouts in going viral was Japan. And we weren't seeing Japan go viral mm-hmm. as soon, but but now we have. And I, I'd love your feedback on 
all the hard work that we did to make it go viral. And there's a notion that hard work really applies everywhere, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really exciting. Yeah, totally. One of our operating principles on the team is that we're we're a small team. We we want to focus on all the different countries around the world, but what we want to really dig deep into is a set of priority countries. And we didn't choose this set of priority countries because they're the most important to Roblox or anything like that, but really it's because we felt like these countries embodied characteristics that by learning in them in a deep way, they can be applied to many countries of of that of that cohort and Japan is one of them and the team really invested heavily on understanding Japan. So for Japan in particular, we understood about a year year and a half ago that there are elements of our product that wasn't yet ready for the market and that we needed to add certain features in order for it to really get to what we called ability for it to go viral essentially. And a lot of the things we already talked about here, multilingual search, it really kicked off from looking into Japan in a deeper way. Uh, semantic search. Japan as a as a country, there's not a lot of English proficiency in Japan. And so not having it locally translated well into the different written languages in Japanese was really hurting our ability to go viral there, as, as you noted earlier. So there's a lot of nuances in Japan. It's such a vibrant and interesting culture where gaming and experiences are very, very popular there. And and now we're seeing that viral growth in Japan in the last year. And I want to highlight some of the work we've done for those people that work in a growth-oriented company where there's a lot of A-B testing going on and trying new things. Moving a metric on the order of 1% in an A-B test is considered sometimes Mm -hmm. astounding. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe some of the things we did in improving Japan were moving metrics much more than that. Totally. For example, multilingual search support, it created 7% lift and playtime from search in Japan. And that was extended to all of our languages shortly after that. Semantic search resulted in 10% lift in lifetime of playtime from search. That was also really, really impressive. All of our experiments show that doing these enhancements to our product not only helped our users in Japan, but as we launched in the other countries, we saw similar results in the other locales that we've launched in as well. Really exciting. We've we've seen a lot of brands in the U.S. accelerate and partner with some of the experiences. I was really surprised when I heard Sonic organically showed up on our platform which is so cool, such an awesome Japanese brand. Can you yeah. put a little color on on what we've been seeing with our brands in Japan? Yeah, I mean, brands in Japan, super exciting. Japan is a big cultural exporter, right? Uh, we all know Sonic, Sanrio. There's so many iconic Japanese IPs. And recently we just announced at TGS that Doraemon is coming to Roblox later this winter as well, which is incredibly exciting for folks that grew up reading and watching Doraemon. There's a lot of excitement around how these brands and IPs in Japan can reach a global audience on the Roblox platform. Because a lot of the things that we're talking about here at like Sanrio, while it's known worldwide, it's really, it's very popular in Asia and East Asia in particular. And so I think a lot of these brands are very excited to be able to reach a lot of users in Latin America and Europe and, you know, Canada and U.S., et cetera, by coming onto our platform. Yeah. And and highlighting that um, there's a lot of work in making what might call a UGC or self-service platform. Mm-hmm. But if that's done well, we can have brands join organically 
enter into search and discovery, go viral, get big without mm-hmm. a lot of publishing or handholding, yeah. which is very satisfying. Yeah. And then I think one final one, I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of a brain teaser okay. <laughs> for our audience out there. And this goes all the way back. There's a thread of events going back to the earliest days of Roblox when we focus very heavily on making Roblox run on very low-end devices. I remember, I, I like to joke that in our testing lab, we had Pentium P3700 running Roblox on Windows ME, which was <laughs> almost unbelievable. And, and then we've migrated now through the leadership of our engine team to the point where our our 3D engineers have relatively low-end Android devices on their desks for testing, mm-hmm. as opposed to doing all of their testing on 16-core PCs. A fixation with low bandwidth and low-end Android devices around the world, mm-hmm. which then starts to get interesting to for a very big country, which typically has had lower-end devices and less bandwidth, that I think is, is a huge market for us. And that country's India. And for those that have been curious, where without having a separate uh, low-end lightweight build or without building a different mobile app, all of that work now, I believe, is going to have a lot of leverage in India. Yeah, Just to wrap it up, would love to hear how we're doing in India and any comments there. Yeah, India. Oh my gosh. It's one of the most dynamic and fastest growing markets on our platform today. In our path to get to a billion users, India is going to be a large portion of that number. India internet population, for those that aren't super aware, is it's going to reach 1 to 1.3 billion in the next five years. And that also means that 50% of the population there is going to be under 30 years old. It's going to be, or it already is, the world's largest population. And we're growing very well there, but the biggest hurdle is going to be our ability to operate well in a low bandwidth and not as performant devices. I think of this also as devices that a user uses in that particular region. And solving that for India is going to pave the way to solving it for Africa, Latin America, and a lot of other places too. So it's not a solution just for India, we think of it. We think of it as a solution for the world that runs on these lower end devices. Yeah, and we will, I think historically our legacy has always been performance, performance, performance. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Android, yep. (laughs) Yeah, and it's so exciting to think of the leverage of the work we would do for India, Mm -hmm. really helping everyone around the world, including some of the high-end PC. They got Roblox is even joining more quickly. Okay, well, that was an absolute United Nations tour (laughs) of the planet, Zen. And I think everyone, uh, me included, my brain's been a little bit more expanded around how interconnected the world is and the opportunity to bring people together. And and, uh, Mm -hmm. the work you're doing is right at the root of that. So I want to thank you for just your amazing passion and thoughtfulness in this international mission. It's been fun hanging out together. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here today. Yeah, that was so much fun. I learned a lot. And thank you again, Zen. That's all for another episode of Tech Talks. Thanks for listening. And if you'd like to find out more about careers at Roblox, check out roblox.com forward slash careers. I'm your host, David Bazuki. See you again next time. <laughs>